Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On this episode, we'll be talking about labels and diagnostics and hope. But before we jump into that conversation, let me remind you of PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership community that's designed to help you address domestic abuse from a gospel-centered perspective. Week after week, you've been hearing me talk about PeaceWorks University, and I really do believe it's your next best step if you've been following uh, the PeaceWorks podcast. So if you'd like to learn more about how you can join PeaceWorks University, then be sure to check us out at chrismoles.org. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be answering a question about domestic abusers and labels and diagnostics in particular. And this is a tricky topic for me. Uh, not that uh, not that it's difficult necessarily to speak about, uh, but there are so many things out there uh, on the internet, in uh, books that are being published. And I'm so thankful that we have more resources now than we have ever had. But the access of resources and the ability to publish is quite a, an interesting world that we live in. I was speaking not too long ago at a career day, if you can believe that, for an elementary school, and they were asking me to come and talk about my experiences as an author. And one of the things I was able to share with the students was that we live in an amazing time that anyone can be an author with blogs and journals and self-publishing and even your own diary, your own thoughts. All of us can be an author and becoming published is easier than ever. Now, I bring that up because with that comes a lot of blessings but also comes a lot of need for discernment because there's a lot of things that are out there. So one questioner recently asked me about a very popular a very popular diagnostic, very popular view of domestic abuse, which I think in some ways has a lot of merit. There are a lot of accurate things about what's being presented. On the other hand, I think there are a few little dangers that I want to point out. But I'm not one to just start naming names and dropping <laughs> uh, titles. So I, I want to try to cover that in a way that's going to be helpful to you as the listener uh, without shedding a, um, a bad light on an individual or throwing anyone under the bus, as it were. I just think it's really important that we nuance and think through how we view domestic abuse. Here's what I mean by that. The questioner is asking, about the thought that domestic abusers, in many ways, uh, if not completely, act like predatory sexual abusers. There's, there's a group or a thought out there that intimate partner violence and predatory sexual violence are identical in their character and in the way in which they are lived out. And what I mean by that is you have an individual who practices domestic abuse. And the belief then is that that individual is right, grooming, practicing mind control, living within a God complex, um, sub, 
you know, making others around them subservient, working on this pattern of um, mind control and brainwashing, and that there's a level of depravity and wickedness to that that is off the charts. Now, does that happen? Yes, there's no doubt in my mind that that happens. I've seen it. Is that every case of domestic abuse that you'll work? Probably not. That's the tricky part, is when we start throwing blanket labels on a problem, I think we run the risk of, one, um, really robbing hope from individuals who are willing to change, desire change, um, and want to pursue change. I think the other thing that we do is we provide cover for those who are um, unwilling and obstinate in their pursuit of transformation. And in doing so, I think any time you address a case of intimate partner violence or domestic abuse from a formulaic perspective, now there are there things that are true, absolutely. Are there things that are connected, absolutely. Uh, if you listen to victim experiences, will you often hear the same story? Will you come away with the notion that did did my husband and your husband go to the same class on how to be an abuser? Sure. There are aspects of power and control that are universal. They'll always be the same because power and control tend to work. It gets us what we want. Threats, fear, violence, they don't have too many avenues by which they'll be expressed, to be quite honest. However, the circumstances, the situation, and the motivations may be somewhat broad or broader. So will you have individuals um, who are practicing deviant, wicked behavior? Sure, all abuse is wicked and demonic in that sense. But will it also set on a spectrum? Absolutely. And I think we as people helpers need to at least acknowledge that domestic abuse sits on a spectrum both in its practice and in our diagnostic and understanding. It's as if to say that all sin is damnable, right? All sin is sinful and wicked. True. But some sin is more gross, more uh, hard-hearted, more wicked from human perspectives. It's just part of living in relationship. And so abuse, in particular domestic abuse, falls on a very unique spectrum from, uh, from our understanding as people helpers. We never want to minimize or diminish the experience of the victim. And I think that's the problem of talking about spectrums. People hear us talk about varying levels and varying extent of abuse, and they think that we're diminishing their experience. And nothing could be further from the truth. Everyone's experience is their experience. We want to recognize and understand and empathize and step into the vulnerability that's present when someone's being victimized. So in no way are we trying to diminish anyone's experiences. However, we do have to, as helpers, distinguish in some way, right, the ways in which abuse is perpetrated and the the things that are happening at the level of the heart. So let me try to do that just as a way to answer the question. Do counselors and pastors need to be aware and know how to respond to deeper levels of evil associated with domestic abuse. Absolutely. And I think we have 
many times minimized the level of evil that is present. And so we need to know that on one end of the spectrum, there are um, individuals who are pursuing wicked ends from start to finish, that their pursuit of power and control knows very few boundaries, and they will destroy anyone and anything in their path in order to achieve the power that they want. The individuals that live under the weight of that power and control are being destroyed, and it's akin to um, a dictator or a cult leader or a despot in your own home. We have to understand that. And at the same time, we as counselors have to understand that on the other end of that spectrum is healthy, God-honoring relationships. And there are people dotted, abusive people dotted throughout that spectrum, participating in varying levels of abuse. Let me try to illustrate it with just a few simple case studies. And again, for many of you, this is going to be um, this is going to make sense for some of you. Uh, this is going to seem heretical, and and that's what I'm trying to combat. I, I would hate for us to diminish our response to this problem by having a uh, a sacred position, as it were, that this diagnosis is the sacred cow that we must stand on, or the or the hill that we must die on, as opposed to seeing it again as a problem that's complex and layered and in need of great amount, a great amount of discernment. So let me ask a question as we're thinking about these varying levels. Uh, let me give you just a couple cases. Case number one, an individual comes to us for help uh, as an abuser who has been court ordered. He hasn't had a criminal act of abuse yet, but he has received a civil domestic violence protection order. Uh, this order of protection is requiring him to come and meet with us as helpers for a significant amount of time. The history that we've gathered tells us that he's been married for 10 years to his wife, the victim. He has no priors uh, from the legal system, no history from the victim as far as physical or sexual violence. And so as we talk to the advocate, we find no history of physical or sexual violence. The last five years, though, she has indicated that he's become more aggressive. He's increased in name-calling. He escapes a lot. He leaves the house a lot in the middle of an argument. Um, and his first act of violence, physical violence, was what led to the DVPO, the Domestic Violence Protective Order. She states that he has been drinking much more, and it has become worse over the last five years. This last argument was about his drinking, although he was completely sober. And at the end of the argument, he pushed her to the ground uh, and left the house. In seeking help, she was encouraged to file an emergency order of protection, which she did. And now this individual is sitting in front of us, receiving help for domestic abuse. There are a lot of things that are problematic about this man's life. Some that could be distracting for us as helpers. Maybe we want to get him sober, thinking that sobriety will fix the problem, and it won't. Maybe we simply want to get him to marriage counseling so they can communicate better and he won't be calling her names. That's not the issue. There's a heart issue here that's leading him uh, 
to increasing amounts of aggressiveness, including name-calling, and this act of pushing her to the ground. But have we yet to find the brainwashing or the mind control? Not yet. It may come. We may discover it as we pull the rope and begin to dialogue. But at this point, in the initial history, we have yet to see. Do we chase that? Do we try to find the mind control and the godlike attitude? Or do we simply do our work, the work in front of us? I suggest we do the work in front of us. And doing it well, we'll discover whether the individual is to the far right of the spectrum or somewhere in between. What about case number two? It's a church-related case. We receive a referral from a church with claims of emotional abuse. This couple's been married for 15 years. As we talk and dialogue uh, with the pastor, we find that they move about every two years. They, They move to a new city about every two years and find a new church. They're highly involved in the church and get involved early. They have seven kids, all of which are homeschooled by the mother. The husband has a large, excuse me, a large gun collection. This is actually history that you could get through a conversation. We find he's got a large gun collection. He's self-employed and he works from home. Much like our first case, an argument uh, ended with him pushing her to the ground. That was the case that led her to seek help through a women's Bible study leader. When pressed, we discover that the argument was about what she was going to wear to an event. Now, case one, problematic. Absolutely must be addressed. Case two, problematic. Must be addressed. But could we see in case two, with just the brief history that we have, we may need to push a little harder in certain areas? Do you see that the 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 Deviance and the problems in case two may be a little deeper. Why are you moving every two years? It's it's fine to own firearms, but why so many? Why were you concerned about what your wife was wearing? That the argument exploded over what you wanted her to do. He's independent as he's self-employed. Seven kids is, is quite a commitment. Do you see where we're going? To many, you're dealing with identical situations. He pushed her to the ground. But to us, as people helpers who are engaged in the work of domestic violence, domestic abuse, yes, you have two cases of abuse, but they're setting on the spectrum in quite different places. What about case number three? Another church-related case. This couple's been married for 12 years. They have two kids. There's claims of emotional abuse. When confronted, he acknowledges that he's been using name-calling and intimidation to control his wife, to get what he wants. He claims that it's based on insecurity. He's afraid of not being the type of man he's supposed to be. She claims that it's never escalated to physical violence, but is concerned by the pattern that she seems to be identifying. He's also concerned, but again, continues to claim that perhaps he just needs a little bit more confidence. Well, would we say that he needs more confidence? Surely not. We would identify that insecurity in this case is probably 
fear fueled by pride. So there's probably something at the level of the heart, the belief system that has to be addressed. And we may see these three guys together. They may be in the same group or in the same context, but you can see that they all sit on the spectrum in three unique and distinct places. So yes, do counselors need to know the depth and level of depravity that they'll be dealing with in some cases, all, all cases really? Absolutely. Are there some cases in which counselors and pastors will work where individuals are akin to being a cult leader who brainwash and manipulate and mind control their partners, much like the grooming that takes place in a predatory sexual abuse situation? Yes. But will they also be dealing with a spectrum of cases, all of which um, have similarities but also distinct differences, especially at the level of the heart? Yes. That's one of the reasons why education is so important moving forward. One of the reasons why I'm not really a fan of blanket diagnosis or blanket responses, but when wisdom and discernment and a multiplicity of counselors in a team-based approach that help each other identify and respond well and powerfully to each case that we're engaging. Well, folks, I hope this has been somewhat helpful. I never want to be disappointing in the ideas that uh, come out in this work. I want to support um, those ideas. And there are merit in many of the concepts that are being presented in domestic abuse work today. But I also want to be careful and nuanced that perhaps this point of view is applicable in some cases and we can provide help and hope in those cases. But maybe there's another approach that'll be helpful in other cases because, if, again, if you've seen one case of domestic abuse, you've seen one case of domestic abuse. My open prayer is that the PeaceWorks podcast is helping you grow in your understanding of the problem and in your reliance on the Spirit of God and His Word to address it properly. Thank you guys again for listening to the PeaceWorks podcast. Until next time, God bless.